top of the morning to you all good morning sunday fairly fairly early for me but uh, wanted to kind of uh, beat the day lots of things to do <clears throat> lots of things to talk about uh, but today i'm going to dedicate uh, my attendance to uh and, and work and time to uh one of my kids um sports activity which is something that we kind of you know um, on and off in the last couple of years because of COVID. And I'm, I'm glad to see things opening up. Um, to those of you who heard my uh, my previous uh, episode, I was pretty, pretty vocal about, um, you know, my thoughts around uh, the protest of the, the truckers and, uh, you know, the, the reasons for that. But at the same time, you know, I'm glad that things are opening up. Uh, we, we're kind of behind, I think, uh, on the rest of the world. Anyhow, let's get to it. Here is a question. Would you buy a one-bedroom apartment that is roughly 300 square feet in Toronto for a million dollars? Ah, that's a question. So, I read an article by the uh, one of the reporters of the uh, it's not the Toronto Star I think it was uh, BNN actually Bloomberg and um, <clears throat> lots of facts lots of numbers lots of you know kind of <laughs> gelling up so I'll break it down for you do I think that a million dollar offer on a 300 square feet bedroom apartment is outrageous hmm okay if you were to go to Manhattan, for example, in New York, Paris, London, would you consider it to be expensive? I would say probably not. Without even knowing the numbers, I would probably say not. You're not going to be surprised. But you are surprised that it is the case in Toronto. And the question is why? Now, keep in mind, I do not support a million dollars worth of a condo of 300 square feet, not even 500 square feet it's 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 crazy but it's crazy to what we know and what we're used to but is it really crazy so let's look at the numbers we um, we see an increase in prices for the real estate market here in Toronto for uh, for the last uh, couple of years but ten digits 10 digits easy every every year and it's expected to continue and I see more and more people and, and I'll share with you a conversation I had this earlier this week with uh, one of my uh, my uh, better friends uh, and he's a finance person so um, I see more and more people kind of pulling back and asking the question well I'm not gonna pay a million bucks for this I'm not gonna pay 1.5 million bucks for that yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you for what we know, but but is it really unreasonable compared to other areas in the country? Okay, so let's go through it. The medium or the average, let's go the average. The average home price in Toronto is currently at 1.1 million dollars. That's the average home in the GTA, and that thing's inclusive of everything, you know, Oakville and 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 the uh, Durham region. And, and your region and whatnot. It's everybody. $1.1 million. Do you know what the average price is in Vancouver, which is kind of the, the west 
uh, uh, Toronto. Nobody gets offended, please. $1.9 million. So $800,000 more. That's the percentage. It's huge. So if they can sit on $1.9 million, aren't we cheaper compared to them? Isn't it an opportunity to dive in into the GTA market? You see, it's all about optics. It's all about perspective. It's all about where you're coming from, and where you're going to. But I will tell you this. We are at historic low rent yield. What does it mean? It means that the as, a, as an investor, money that I receive from rent, if I were to take it on an annual uh, uh, basis and try to calculate the yield, the percentage of uh, what I'm getting out of it, it's at a historic low. I actually calculated. So 2016, 17, uh, maybe 18, I could get houses for over 5% yield. 5% meal, it's just think about it as a GIC to those of you who are not familiar with the term. Think about it as a GIC. You take $100,000, you put it in the bank, you get 5% back every year, which is $5,000. You're happy about it, fantastic. That, that's the number. So right now, GICs will give you 0. Point something percent. Obviously, it's, it's not even worth it to put the money there, to park it there. So people went to the, uh, to the real estate market. You know, lots of them popping on my screen, real estate uh, investors and come with us and do this and do that. But the reality is that the yields are low, which means right now I calculate it's 2.7% roughly. That's what I got. So it's almost half of what it was five years ago. Meaning if I were to, get, to take the exact same $100,000 and put it uh, in a real estate, I would get 2.7% back, which means $2,700 back a year. I can tell you from an investment, investment perspective, that's not enough. It's not good enough. And I will see and I will say that it, it, it encourages investors to move away from real estate investment here in the GTA. And that leads to a few things. First of all, less inventory of uh, rental units, but at the same time may support more inventory available to those that really need the house and not for investment purposes. The problem is that they may not be able to afford the down payment and the mortgage payments on it. We're kind of in a tough situation right now in the real estate market. I do, I, the numbers will not show it, but as per my analysis, that's what, what I see. And I've seen this before. We are in a spot that, uh, you know, the forces of the market trying to, uh, kind of sort out what is the right direction and, and what we're doing. I do see investors going into multiplexes um, and, and in other adventures. The problem is that, again, these are new investors for the most part. They kind of pop on my screen with, oh, come with us. I'm making so much money. The problem is that multiplex is designed for certain population. So you may get good yield out of it. However, the increase in value over the years will not be comparable to uh, just a residential home. The reason is simple. If you want to put it up for sale and you have a multiplex, you're going to have, you know, very limited number of people that are intended to buy it as an investment. So they're going to 
they're going to hustle you in terms of the numbers because it's an investment. They're not going to be there. They're not going to live there. But if you have a residential property that you buy for investment purposes and the yield is slightly lower or even half, still you're going to have 20 people lined up trying to buy the house because they want to live there. So it, it's, it, it's a trade-off. So that's kind of a, a off, off, um, off common. Going back to the market. I do see people moving away from uh, buying a home and kind of taking a, a pause. Some areas you still see 20 people lined up to buy a home. Open house, you know, five, four, how many offers? Multiple offer situation in a house. And it's, it's, you know, it depends on the area, but for the most part, this is what it is. Now, when and how will it stop? Number one rule of economics is demand and supply. That's the number one rule. Everything is driven by that. If you have a lot of demand and very low inventory, which means supply, guess what? There is no choice but for the prices to move up very rapidly. We're still there, unfortunately. But I want to take you now to a different aspect. I want to take you to the financial aspect of things. And this is where I had a conversation earlier this week with one of my uh, one of my friends. He's a, he's a finance person. And I always like to listen to him because I come from the real estate. I, I'm good with the numbers, of course, but, you know, I'm more a more uh, um, a people person and, and kind of look at the market as holistically. He's very focused on the uh, on the financial aspect of that. And this is where I find a good balance between us in terms of the conversation, simply because he puts an aspect there that I may not consider. And here's what he said to me. He said, Aaron, look, I know a couple, they're not high income. They're, they're somewhat lower income actually, but they went and refinanced the house and they don't know how they can afford the mortgage, even though it's low because they want to do something else. They want to send their uh, son to, uh, to a university, something uh, along these lines. Um, and they have no choice but to refinance the house, but they really can't afford it. But the bank is not stopping them and say, hey, you can't do that. You can't take more uh, loan on top of you. So when I say refinance, what I mean is that they had X amount of mortgage, and I hope that's what he meant, X amount of mortgage. We would like to, based on the increased value of our home, to take a home equity line of credit or an additional mortgage so we can pay for our kids education noble you know understood they're not buying a boat they're not buying a vacation they, they simply want to send their kid to to to, to purchase education i i totally get it but at that point in time the bank should have looked into the financials and say hey um, you take another, uh, let's say, hundred thousand dollars. The you know the monthly payment is another seven hundred, eight hundred bucks. I, I don't know how you can afford it. I don't want you know I don't want you to fail. So I'm going to stop it. Or I'm going to reduce it. But <clears throat> according to my friend, he claims that that doesn't happen. The banks continue to approve loans to people that may not be able to afford it. You know, take it as a face value. It may or may not be true. But let's look at the bigger picture. This is just just an example. Let's look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that if you go into a bidding war for a house that this, you know, was worth 
700 or 800,000 dollars two years ago and now you're about to pay 1.3 million dollars you took upon yourself another five hundred thousand dollars half a million dollars worth of debt extra this is roughly seventeen hundred to two thousand dollars a month easy can you afford it so from a financial perspective even though the demand and supply support the the continuous rise in real estate do those that actually make the bidding war do the bidding war get into this and don't have the funds to support it and have to take loans are they willing to mortgage their lives more than the, what they planned are they willing to sacrifice another two thousand dollars a month for that if the answer is yes and the answer is yes if the answer is no there is a problem irrespectively though if they cannot afford it and the bank approved it we have a big problem here what happens when the interest rates goes up and it will go up it will go up this year twice three times that was my prediction i still i stand by it that's 75 basis points right what's gonna happen can you afford 2500 a month now extra so from a financial perspective um the feel is that we are reaching our capacity or we've reached our financial ability to support uh, increase in in, uh, in real estate market. I don't know if it's true. Nobody knows. It's really individual. It's subjective. It's by household. But this is the financial aspect of that. And it kind of sounds like the US of 2007 that People just bought houses that they couldn't afford, and then eventually everything collapsed. I don't think we're there. Canadians are not um, refinancing to again to buy a boat or to to buy uh, an airplane or to uh, to buy a new Rolex. Um, at least in my circles, they 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 take debt uh, simply because they need the house or you know they need to finance education or things like that. But I would say Canadians are much more disciplined than, than the Americans back then. So, and the financial system is completely different. So I don't think there will be a crash. Now, the most important thing is that um, we have the demand to support it. When you look at the US back then in 2007, you know, there were not 400,000 uh, uh, worth of immigrants, legal immigrants coming to, uh, to the country every year. Uh, to support the demand and the continuous demand, demand and uh, money flowing from outside to the country. So I don't think we're there, but I do think that I do uh, feel the winds of change. And that's not just the wind of uh, <laughs> blowing outside, but there's definitely a shift in the market with the rental yields dropping, uh, the continuous rise of real estate um, affordability sorry I, I should do it this way the increased prices in real estate <clears throat> and the shift in mentality of people it may be just temporary and frustration you know but kind of on the lines of i'm not paying a million bucks for this um so <clears throat> overall i think there's a lot of thinking to do now what you can do 
remember inflation is out of control um, your dollar is worth 95 cents next year at the least so what do you do just you know I wanted to edit to the bottom line here there are ways to work around it you don't have to buy a house there are in the stock market there are uh, real estate investment funds um, real estate trust funds that can help you invest your money tied to the uh, cost of real estate this way you can you feel like you're in the game and your money is you know is making more than the GIC or definitely more than the inflation uh, just picking up on that trend so that's one thing again I'm not a financial advisor advisor I'm not uh, recommending I'm just giving you my two cents and what is it that I do and what is it that I did or may do so uh, REITs so R-E-I-T's look for them in the uh, TSX that's one thing the other thing when inflation gets out of control uh, and I mentioned it in my previous podcasts everything tied to resources consumables those go up so for example Canada uh, natural resources company Enbridge all those utility companies that benefit for the right from the rise of um, uh, increase of goods and consumables they will outperform the market so that's another way to invest your money in those uh, avenues um, there are others I spoke about this in previous po- uh, podcast if you have the patience and you want to send me a note you're welcome to do so and I promise to uh, to answer but there are other opportunities out there in the market so the takeaway for today I feel there is a change in the market coming um, in terms of the mix of buyers um, it may be a pause but um, there is definitely a feel of a change the prices will continue to go up it, it again number one rule of economics that's another bottom line it's not going to change maybe it's not going to be 20 percent. maybe it's not going to be 25 percent. maybe the mix of people will be different but it will go up inflation is out of control continues to be out of control and you should gear up for uh, an increase in uh, in rates and lastly, opportunities for investment and kind of keep your money um, tied to something that will keep keep its uh, its value. I spoke about that too. And without, I'm going to leave you to it. I have a game to catch. So I wish you all a good rest of the day, good rest of the weekend. I'm available and stay safe.